Today, our, um, we're going to get into the Word. We're just going to get jump right in there because uh, I tell you what, as I was studying for this, I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, I'm just the type of person that I will study something and I will see something there and then I'll find out something about it more and then I'll get deeper into that and then I'll get deeper into that and then I'll get deeper into that and that's just what happens and then by Saturday before I have to speak I have like a thousand uh, you know uh, points to make and so uh, we're going to be here for a while (laughs) so be be ready no, uh, before we begin, uh, as, as you guys saw the cats away, let me uh, ask a couple questions. I'm just curious about some questions here. Do you guys remember the first time that you were left home alone? Remember the first time you were left home alone where your mom and dad had trusted you, right? It may have been a mistake, but they trusted you, right, to be in the house without any adults. Y'all remember that time, right? And so you, was it that time where like, you know what, mom and dad's gone, it's time to do the dishes, right? It's time to clean the house, clean the room. I'm gonna get it all done. I'm gonna be all prepared so when they, they come back, see, if you were like me, that didn't happen. It, it was, it was uh, in the room, playing a game, you know, whatever the place would be, being on a phone, whatever, whatever the case is, right, it was not doing what you're supposed to be doing, okay? What about when we got a little older, uh, you know, when, uh, you know, the first time you went away from the house and you started to live on your own, right? Maybe, maybe it was at college or maybe it was your first apartment or whatever the case may be, it uh, you know, what, did it take you right away as soon as you got into the house saying, you know what, I'm going to have to be responsible in this place. No longer is my mom making sure I do chores, okay? If you were like me, it didn't happen quite away. It wasn't. I mean, it, it, my, uh, my dorm room, was, it would be the first time that I was away from the house. My dorm room took a couple months before I was like, you know what, I'm going to have to do something to this thing. I'm going to have to actually act responsible here. All right. Uh, what about guys when your wife leaves the house for a weekend? Anybody, anybody, you guys know what I'm talking about. When the, guys, when the wife leaves the house, how many of you are like the awesome husband who is like, as soon as the wife leaves, you're like, all right, I got to make sure dishes are done. Yeah, I'm okay. All right. Make sure the house is clean. I'm going to dust the house too, right? I'm going to make my wife happy and dust the house. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, if you're like me, that did not happen. It was like, check where she is on the phone, because, you know, you can track her, you know, on the phone. She's, oh, she's only 30 minutes back to the house. Now it's time to get up and start cleaning. Yeah, I ain't the only one. Don't act like I am. All right, what about uh, when... Uh, you're at work and your boss gives you the time where he leaves, the first time your boss leaves you alone at work, right? See, if you're like me, when the boss was around at the start, you're like, you're doing everything you can to make sure that you're impressing the boss, okay? But as soon as the boss leaves, you're like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to chill out at least for a minute. My good, because if, like, if, if your boss is like my boss, he's like 100 miles an hour, 
All right, first of all, I, you know, my boss is a great guy, but he goes 100 miles an hour. And when he goes, it's like my time to go, okay, I'm going I'm to calm down now, rest myself, because, you know, me personally, I get things done a little better when I calm down. First of all, I'm not a rush type person, as many of you know. I do not rush to get anything done, okay? And so, but I, but I make sure I get the job done. Let's make sure, uh, you know, if my boss ends up watching, I, the job gets done, all right? So, I ask all these questions to think about this, this question about uh, the, when the cat's away. You ever heard of that, that phrase, when the cat's away, what? The mice, the mice will play, right? And the, the main purpose of that uh, phrase is saying, you know, when the cat's, when the cat's around, mice kind of like hide out, right? They're on their best behavior. But when the cats are gone, it's like, oh, it's time to party. It's time to come out, find the food, do what we can. Cat's gone. Okay? So today's message, I, I, I felt the Lord uh, giving me this message for, you know, ever since Pastor asked me to speak. And so um, it took me all the way up until yesterday to get it into a coherent message, but it's there. Uh, but we are going to be in Matthew 25, starting at verse 14. And I want to talk about a parable, uh, the parable of the talents. Very common, well-known parable. A lot of people have heard this story before, heard this parable, heard this passage, um, probably even heard this sermon uh, quite a bit. Hopefully, y'all can bring out something new in it. But um, very good um, passage that is on my heart because you know, one of the things about me is if you're going to be a child of God and you're going to be, uh, you know, a part of the church, you got to be doing something. And that's very, very important to me. If you're going to be here and be a part, then do something. The parable of the talents has this underlying question about what will servants do while their master is away? What will the servants do while their master is away? How do you behave when God is not back yet? How do you behave? Cats away. How do you play? Matthew 25, 14. uh, I'll be reading, start... In, in 14, <clears throat> for it will be like a man about to leave home for a while who entrusted his possessions to his servants. To one he gave five talents, equivalent to a hundred years, uh, years wages, to another two talents, and to another one talent, to each according to his ability. Then he left. The one, he, the one who had received five talents immediately went out invested it, and earned another five. Similarly, the one given two earned another two. But the one given one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned to settle accounts with them. Verse 20, Then one who had received five talents came forward, bringing the other five, and said, Sir, You gave me five talents. Here I have made five more. His master said to him, Excellent. 
You are a good and trustworthy servant. You have been faithful with the small amount, so I will put you in charge of the large amount. Come and join me in your master's joy and happiness. Also, the one who had received the two came forward and said, Sir, you gave me two talents here. I have made two more. His master said to him, Excellent, you are good and trustworthy servant. You have been faithful in a small amount, so I will put you in charge of a large amount. Come and join me in your master's happiness. Verse 24, Now the one who had received one talent came forward and said, I knew you were a hard man. You were... You harvest where you didn't plant and gathered where you didn't sow seed. I was afraid. So I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, take what belongs to you. You wicked, lazy servant, his master said. So you know, did you, that I harvest where I haven't planted and that I've gathered where I didn't sow seed? then you should have deposited my money with the bankers so that when I returned, I would at least have gotten back interest on my capital. 28, take the talent from him and give it to the one who has 10. For everyone who has something will be given more so that he will have more than enough. But from anyone who has nothing, even what he does have will be taken away. So for the worthless servant, throw him out in the dark where people will will and grind their teeth. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you, God, for your message. We thank you for what you want us to hear. Let us open our hearts and our minds. Let us receive what you want us to hear And as we hear, let us understand. And as we understand, let us be and do your work for your kingdom. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Before I can go any further, I want us to recognize the beginning here. Recognize at the very beginning in 14, for it says, It will be like. It will be like. In order to understand what it is referring to, it goes back to the parable that was spoken right beforehand about the ten virgins. In verse 1, that basically said, For the kingdom of heaven is like. Some versions automatically put, For the kingdom of heaven is. But it is referring to the kingdom of heaven. Very important to understand here that we are starting this parable off, this whole idea of what is meant to be understood in this passage off with the kingdom of heaven is like this. That means that in order to be what God wants us to be, we have to understand that this parable is about kingdom living. This is kingdom living. If we're going to live the way God has designed us to live, we have to understand and be what is in this parable. This is kingdom living. Kingdom living is simply about being a doer of God's word. If you want to be in kingdom living, it's about being a doer of God's word. Throughout the Bible, God is commanding us to do something. 
It's always about doing something. In order for you know, um, faith to work, faith without works is dead, right? So in order for that to actually happen, it requires work. That's the reason why the waters didn't open for the Israelites until they actually stepped out into the water. They actually actually move before the miracle happened. Throughout the Bible, there is all kinds of places where the Bible says you have to do something, be a part of something, move in something, act in something, live in something, take something, pray and even wait as an action. Throughout the Bible, it's being useful. It is doing something. Move. It's not someone who just comes to church on Sunday mornings or Wednesday nights. It's someone who acts in the church, who moves in the church, who is a part of the body. That's what it means to be useful even to the church of the Laodicea, was about being useful. It wasn't about how on fire for God you are. It was about being useful. You're either hot, which is useful for medicinal purposes, or you're cold, which is useful for refreshment. You're useful. Because if you're not, just like the servant... You get spit out of your mouth, God's mouth. This is kingdom living. Being useful for the kingdom is to do what God says to do. It's to move. And in this, the overall truth I want you to understand, though, there's the overall truth that I need you to understand in this uh, whole parable is that God deeply cares about how we live our lives that he's given us. He deeply cares about how we live our lives that he has given us. One of the things I want us to recognize from the very beginning in 25:14, everything we have comes from and belongs to God. Everything we have comes from and belongs to God. James 1:17 says every good and perfect gift comes from above. Everything we have belongs to God. We tell our kids all the time, that's not yours. That's ours. We bought it. You ever, your parents ever said that to you? When they think that, they're like, well, my phone, you didn't buy that phone. That's mine. Everything comes from and belongs to God. I want to try to get a little, it wouldn't be right if I stood up here and didn't give a little bit of Jewishness to this. So I want to give a little bit of something that happens uh, that I believe Jesus does refer to. As Jesus speaks to his disciples, he's speaking to Jewish people, right? And he's speaking as a Jew. And so he's talking about Jewish principles Right, And so we do have to remember that. I believe that there is a point that Jesus does try to make in this that refers to Exodus 22. 
Now, I won't get into it because it's quite a bit of stuff, okay? I don't want to get quite into the verse, but I will explain a little bit that Exodus 22 is a little bit of a law, right? You do know there was more than 10, 10 commandments, right? It was like 613, okay? So he does go into one of these, and one of these is about a law of servants and baileys, right? Which means the same thing. Bailey means a servant, and so there's this Bailey's law that goes on about an unpaid Bailey, a paid Bailey, a borrowed Bailey, and a rented, right? Things that they rent. And there's this massive amount of, of work that happens about what happens in this law if they lose, if they steal, if they, you know, all these different kinds of things. And so here we're referring to, though, an unpaid Bailey. These are unpaid baileys. These are unpaid servants, okay, which means that they did not get paid for their work, okay? Their work was to look after their, their master's account, right? That was their job. They didn't get paid for it. They were unpaid servants, okay? Exodus 22 talks about all these different things, but the one thing we need to understand and to bring out according to Torah law here is that it is the oath and obedience of an unpaid servant to keep what his master gave him near to his person at all time. Okay, it is an oath and an obedience. There's this huge thing about taking oaths. If you end up going to court as a Jewish person, if you go to the Sanhedrin or you go to the court, right? You ha- there is a big deal that also says uh, that um, misappropriate does not require loss, but intent to misappropriation. It's enough to render him liable of a person. Dishonesty is misappropriating, if you, if you don't know that's dishonesty, unfairly taking uh, something, especially money uh, belonging to another, okay, for one's own use. That's misappropriation. So there's talking about that, but that does not require loss, but intent to lose. And that's enough to render him liable for dishonesty, okay? So the thing here that is key is intent. If you make an oath before you make an exchange with someone, the intent is what is held liable in the court as an as a unpaid servant. But part of being a servant is to have and to keep what the master gave to him close to him. In fact, it even talks about how it binds on his person. They bind it to their person. The intent is key here. Intent is always key with Jesus, right? Because it's not about the outside, it's about the heart, right? Because that's where the intent comes from. That's the reason why Matthew 5 always talks about Jesus saying, you've heard it said, but I say, because you could take this and intend this. You said murder is bad, but if you hate someone in your heart, that's intent. 
Intent is key. The issue in Torah law with the stewardship of property does not hinge on loss or profit. It hinges on the oath and conditions before the event happens. That's even when you speak of intentions. The court judges the intent of a credible witness. So all of this says that they had intentions when they received what, God, what the master gave them. They all knew something as well, that they needed to give back because they were unpaid, right? Unpaid Baileys. So they all knew that whatever happens when the master comes back, they have to give it back. <clears throat> when we forget that we, that we tend to become selfish in our walk, we become more concerned about ourselves. We have to remember that all that we have belongs to God, and we have to give it back. And we should hold dear what God gives us. Twenty-five, fifteen points this out. God has given each of us unique gifts and opportunities to be responsible and invest. God has given each of us unique gifts and opportunities to be responsible and invest. Romans 12, 6, the first part of it says, we have different gifts according to the grace given us. God has given us unique gifts, unique abilities, unique opportunities to do something in the church. I love Ron Kelly. He is a really cool guy in the, in the church, and he is our CE director, which means he's in charge of all these sins of God of the Arkansas District uh, Christian Education and Children's Ministries and, and things like that. So um, know him very well through camps and different things. In fact, every year we go to camp, uh, he always has a talk with the people who are going to be working at the camp. And before we start, every year he makes this same speech, and he says that none of you have a job. None of you have a job. Every single one of you this week have opportunities. Have opportunities. Opportunities for ministry, opportunities to be around kids, opportunities, and so on and so forth. But God has given you responsibilities here and opportunities. He gives us unique gifts and unique opportunities. Like I said, he gave them to according to their ability. Just like when we leave home, we expect each of our kids to do something in the house, but according to their ability. That's why we'll never expect Keegan to do the dishes. All right? <clears throat> to the, each to their ability, we allow them to have a responsibility, an opportunity to invest into their being a part of this family. The same way God gives us each gifts, each opportunities, each responsibilities to be a part of his family, to be a part of his kingdom. The master judges each of his servants individually. 
See, if you take this as like a group effort, then they did very well if you think about it. Eight talents given and 15 returned. As a whole, that's pretty good. He could say to all of them, hey, good job, guys. But he doesn't. He judges them individually. Each one is judged to their own faithfulness and their own effort. When we meet with him in heaven, whenever that comes, God is not going to come up to you and ask you, what did Restoration Life Church do? How did Restoration Life Church do? What did they do as a church? Man, I heard about Restoration Life Church. I was looking down, and they were doing some cool stuff. I'm so glad. And you were part of that church. No. He's going, to say, he's going to ask, what did you do? How did you help my kingdom? How were you useful for my kingdom and for Restoration Life Church? Right? Yes, discipleship is about being together and being better together. It's about having a community. But we're only better together when each individual does their part. In 25, 24, and 20 through 26, we see that God despises wasted potential. God despises wasted potential. Proverbs 3, 9 says, Honor the Lord with your substance. This substance means that his divine favor and graciously given to a person to be used by God. Honor the Lord with your substance. God gave you something. You use it. Honor him with it. God is looking for a return on investment. I invested in you. Now it's time for you to do something and return investment. Are you doing something with what God gave you? Or are you burying your heads in the sand and and just saying, I can't, I don't, I, 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 I mean, I don't do this, I don't do that. Uh, I, I went to church every once in a while. It's about doing what God has given you, doing something with what God has given you. You know, rabbis stand, stand on this truth that enjoy, sorry, rabbis stand on this truth that to enjoy God's world without giving thanks with appropriate blessing was like robbing God. You're a thief if you are on this earth and you don't give thanks to God for it. God does not, not like wasted potential. In 25, verse 28, we see we lose what we do not use. 
We lose what we do not use. I'm living proof of that, right? Because I was born with rock-solid abs, and I did not ever use it. That's why I wear these big shirts to hide what I don't want you to see. We lose what we do not use, right? Every day, every area in life is like, whether it's physical, we lose what we don't use. Mentally, you lose what you don't use. I tried to take Spanish when I was in high school, and guess how much Spanish did I speak? None, because I don't use it. I sh- you know, there have been opportunities where I was like, man, I wish I remembered that word. Especially when I was down in Ecuador, I'd be like, I don't know what I'm doing. But we lose what we don't use. Emotionally, we use or we lose what we don't use. Right? That's the reason why I think it's so much easier for us to be bitter. That's why we're so better in in hatred. Because we don't use the love and kindness that God has commanded us to use, to bear. Spiritually, we lose what we don't use. We wonder why some people just seem to have all the abundance of blessings in their life. But all we do is come to church on Sunday morning, and that's it. And then we wonder why this person is always receiving something from God every every week. What is up with that? How much are you using what God has given you? Do you bury it or put it on the back burner because you don't have other more because you have more important things to do. Well, I got this to do in my life. I got that to make sure it gets done. I got this stuff that needs to happen. Uh, Yeah, I'll I'll get to the word in, in just a minute. I got this to make sure. I got this job I got to be at. I got, you know, this much stuff that needs to get done. I'll... I'll pray here in just a minute. I got this to do, and I got that to do. Oh, the church is having this. Um, I don't think I'll be able to make it today because, you know, I got to, you know, do my hair. I got to go out of town for something. Be careful, you'll lose what you do not use. Verse 19, God is holding each of us accountable for what we do with our lives. God is holding each of us accountable for what we do with our lives. Romans 14, 12 says this, So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. That's that day we'll stand before him. And he won't ask us about the church. See, here's where the oaths are very important. Here's where the intents are very important. Because here's where they got to get and stood in front of the master and were given what they 
made or whatever. And the third one was like, uh, look, I, you know, and he started to make an excuse. See, here's where oaths and intents are very important. The oaths were made and the intents were to help accountable for our lives, for what we do with it for God. Just like the unpaid servant has to hold near what is been given to him. And we are told the same thing as children of God, to hold near, to hide God's word in our hearts, right? One of the most important things to a Jewish person is Deuteronomy 6, which is Shema, which is where they declare that God is one and He alone. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is one. And to worship your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. That goes on and it says to keep that on you at all times, to bind it to your side. Binding an oath is important. Binding what God has given you is important. Keeping it near. This servant knew that. But he decided to bury it. This servant knew that he wasn't supposed to let it out of his sight. Hebrews eleven six also says, and without fear, it is impossible to please God. Our intent is to please God. Right? And that our intent is to please God. Because that's the very act of worship, is to please God, holy and pleasing. You cannot play, you cannot please God by playing it safe. We can't please God by playing it safe. Colossians 3, 23 and 24 says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will receive the inheritance from the Lord as a reward. We can't please God by playing it safe. We also can't displease him if we give him our best. All he's asking for is to give him your best. I've told my kids before, I will not be mad if you do not make an A. I will be mad if you did not give it your best. And here's what I also want you to know is I know when you weren't giving it your best. God just wants us to give him our all. He wants us to give him our best. 
all that we can give him. Our best foot forward. Or are you afraid that there is no way you can compete with, so you just bury it in the dirt? The third servant lived in that fear of failure. And the craziest thing is he blamed the master for it. See, when we're in this world that is driven with fear and blame, and too often we blame other people for our own problems and our own mistakes, when you know that you just weren't doing what you were supposed to do. And the servant knew. The master knew. We live in a world built on fear and blame. Second Timothy one seventeen one seven, sorry, excuse me. Second Timothy one seven. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity or fear, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self discipline. God didn't give us that spirit of fear. Where else would that come from? If you're acting in something other than faith and you're acting in fear, you're being controlled by the enemy. That's what the master knew. No, there's something wrong here. Your intent says that you are following the enemy. Verse 23, the reward of living for God is immeasurably more than the sacrifice. The reward of living for God is immeasurably more than the sacrifice. When the other two servants got their reward, the the master did not harp on all the blood, sweat, and tears that it took for these two guys to get to the point of doubling their money. He didn't go, man, I want to know what you did. I want to know what happened. Did you struggle at all? Was there a problem along the way? Did you have any setbacks? Did you have any hurdles? Now he's like, well done. Now you get to spend eternity with me. Come enjoy my happiness. perseverance in the task of stewardship is foundation of success. The master praises the productivity stewards, the productive stewards with words that describe their efforts as well as their just reward. Verse 
when you receive the reward that God has for you, the eternal reward is far better than anything else that happened along the way. When you receive that reward that God has for you, nothing else matters. So here's what I want you to take away today. In order to live our lives fully and for God's pleasure, we must make the most of every opportunity. In order to live our lives fully and for God's pleasure, we must make the most of every opportunity. See, the message here is on stewardship of God's gracious bestowed resources in the present. It's about what you do now with what God gives you. We can't wait until there's no way to track them. We can't, we can't go, oh, he's only 30 minutes out. We better start doing something. It is now where we have to be responsible in what God has given us and to do something with it, to make something happen, to have opportunities he has given us is something that we don't deserve. Let's use them. Ephesians 5, 15 and 17, be very careful then how you live not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. We have to understand what God has given us in order for us to do what God wants us to do. I think this is the reason why God also tells another parable about the good soil. The purpose of the good soil was to not only to um, allow the word to grow in your life, but it's to understand it and be a part of what God has for us. That's the reason why after that parable, he says the same words for everyone who has something will be given more. We have an opportunity to do something for God, to be useful for God, to be a part of something for God. Let's not waste our potential. Let's do something. Let's be a part of something. Everyone in the church should be actively doing something because that's going to be how the church grows. So you have two choices. Two choices. One, you can, we can waste our lives on the temporary. 
Mark 8.36 says, what, God, what good is it for man to gain the whole world yet forfeit his soul? You can waste your time now. You can set your opportunities and your abilities aside and just waste your time right now. Or two, you can invest your life in the internal. John 6, 27, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. We are called to bear fruit, but bear fruit that lasts. This is kingdom living now and for eternity. What you do now affects your eternity. Are you going to waste it or invest in it? Right now, the cat's away. What are you doing? As we start to end this service, I want to make sure I give this moment. I want to give this moment... Maybe you're here and you've heard these words that I was talking about. And you're not a part of what God wants you to be a part of. Let this morning be that opportunity for you. To give your life to Him. To follow Him. To be a part of a church to be a part of a community that loves you and to be a part of kingdom living where you can do your part. This morning, I want to make sure you have that opportunity. 1 John 5, 12 and 13 says, He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. Have that for a kingdom living. Also this morning, I'm going to give you an opportunity if you are a servant of Christ and you're a part of this church, let's be active. Let's be an active church and do something. Just coming on Sundays is not enough. Let's not waste our opportunities. Let's not waste our potential. Let's not waste our abilities and do something for God. I'm going to open these altars and allow for any of those opportunities to happen for you.